All right, I think we're ready now. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 is where we are. We're in verse 7, where we left off last week. Psalm chapter 2, beginning verse 7. If you found your place, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Psalm 2, chapter 7. I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Calvary Baptist Church and Lord for the calling that you have placed on us as a body of believers to love the city of Corinth. There are so many evil and wicked things that go on in this community. People are slaves to drugs and other problems that they have. There are broken homes and parents who split up and left their children to fend for themselves at a young age. We have problems in the school system on almost a daily basis. God, this city needs you. We can feed people and we can clothe people and we can share a cup of cold water in your name, Lord. But God, we need you to change the hearts of people. We can't do that. God, we alone cannot redeem people. We can't revive people. God, we're asking you to do what we cannot do. Lord, if there's somebody in here that needs to repent of their sin and get right with you, I pray that they would do that today, Lord, that you would convict them, that you would draw them as we lift up the name of Jesus, our Savior. God, there's nowhere else that we can find salvation. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. To surrender ourselves to you. To be filled with your spirit. And God, forgive us if we have been distracted. Lord, do away with the false teaching and the false doctrine of this world that has tried to infiltrate our minds and our hearts. Help us, Lord, to get back to your word and to hide it in our hearts so that we don't sin against you. God, you know right where we are. You know what surrounds us. 
You know what the people of this community need. God, help us to be faithful to deliver. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, it says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. I'm a child of God. I know I am because I've been adopted. When did I get adopted? When I got born again into his family. And I'm glad to be an adopted child of God. My father passed away years ago, but I've had a father since then. And he has led me and guided me through the trials and tribulations of life. Your heavenly father is much higher than your earthly father. Somebody told me yesterday, he said, uh, I was just talking about your dad the other day. And I thought to myself, I knew him differently than the community did. Just as my children will know me differently as a dad than you know me as a pastor. Professionally, I can keep things together pretty well, but in my personal life, I get worn, slapped out. I lose my patience. I lose my temper. I, I say things I shouldn't say at home. And I, even my sister will say, now that was my brother speaking, not my preacher. That happens because mankind, we're not perfect. We've been born again, we've been adopted, but we sometimes still act like our father, the devil. And we have to watch ourselves. That we don't fall back into those old ways of life that keep us from being effective in building the kingdom of God and making other disciples. We have to put up away the old person, those old clothes we used to put on. And put on the new garments of righteousness that Christ has given us and in going out to witness and minister to people not lose our testimony at the same time. So I'm an adopted child. I've got new clothes to wear. Clothes of righteousness. The verse of scripture I want to go to for verse 7 is Acts chapter 13, verse 32. Acts 13, 32 is where we'll begin for this verse. Acts 13, 32 says, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Sound familiar? And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now, no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he said also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid up unto his fathers and saw corruption. So what the author acts here, or Luke, what Luke says is God wasn't talking about David. That earthly king. He was talking about Jesus. David died. We have record of it in the Bible. And the author of Acts said, David died. So who was Psalm chapter 2 talking about? And he's trying to make the defense for Jesus 
being the one that God had promised. Verse 37. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. So they buried Jesus the day that he died. On the third day, on Sunday, he got back up. Never to die again. He walked on the earth for 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven and he will come back. You are serving a risen Savior that is alive. He's not dead like all the other gods of this world. He lives to make intercession for you. He lives to pray for you. Let him. Let Jesus pray for you. He's alive. Pray in the name of Jesus because it is effectual. It makes a difference. Verse 38 says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Are there people out there still trying to save themselves by the Ten Commandments? Yeah, they're failing every day. Every day they're failing. They're failing when they commit adultery. They fail when they uh, dishonor their parents. They fail when they kill people. They fail to put God first in their lives. They fail to put away the idols in this world. They fail to keep the law of Moses. They mix their clothes together and blend them. You know, if, if you talk to an atheist, they want to discount the Bible. They're going to talk about all the Old Testament laws that we no longer follow. Like planting corn next to something else. You know, there's, there's all these kinds of rules that they had as a nation, as a people. Hundreds of laws that were written down that we don't necessarily follow anymore. Uh, Leviticus, you know, when uh, people start to ask me, Preacher, what about tattoos? What do we do with that? And Because and, in the Old Testament it says, you know, don't tattoo yourself or cut yourself for the dead. And don't trim the edges of your beard. And uh, You might have been with it on the tattoos, but man, if you shaved your head, it's the next verse. I mean, it's just, uh, if you've ever, why do you think they have ringlets? You know, some of these people that are following these Old Testament rules. The hair that comes down on both sides, if you see it. I mean, I've seen some chops, but it's, there's all kinds of rules we don't follow anymore. Why? Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it. He kept it. And then he died in our place as a substitution for you. He's a stand-in. Innocent for the guilty. And he was beaten with a whip on the back when you should have been beaten on the back. And his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced when your hands and feet should have been pierced. And a crown of thorns was placed on his head when it was your crown of thorns and my crown of thorns. Should have made us our cross 
So we have forgiveness for all of the rules and laws that we can't keep anyway. <clears throat> By him, all that believe are justified from all things. You know, Paul, he goes on to argue back and forth about whether or not somebody should go ahead and sin because God's grace is going to abound anyway. And he said, God forbid that you should do that. Don't go out there and take advantage of your freedom in Christ by sinning against him. All things are possible for you as a born-again believer, but not everything's going to profit you. And I want you to profit. I want you to benefit from the salvation that God has afforded you. Don't go out there and sin just because you can get away with it. Just because you're born again. Are you going to do it anyway? Yeah, you sure are. You're saved. You still live in your flesh. Until you get to shed this old flesh, that flesh is going to crave to sin against God. What do you do? You confess it and ask God to forgive you and ask Him to help you get rid of it, to overcome it, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to give you self-control so that you don't find yourself back off in that same pit again. Whatever it is. Those things are what keep you from being an effective disciple or making disciples. Your sin won't send you to hell. It'll send your neighbor to hell because you won't be discipling them or telling them about Christ. If you say, well, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. Forget about all them. Get out of here. Why are we doing a block party anyway? Is it because we want to look at our neighbors to judge them? No, it's because we've judged ourselves and found ourselves wanting. And we know that if righteous people are wanting, that people who are outside of the church are certainly destitute and in need of the gospel. And if you go up to them as if you're higher and mightier than them, you've missed the point. You're a beggar that was searching for bread and you found it in Jesus Christ and you want to take that bread to your neighbor and say, look, I'm full. Here's what I've got left over. My cup is running over. I've got so much filling me that I can give some to you. I was once like you. No purpose, no aim, no direction in life. Then I got saved born again and I follow Jesus every day and now I got so much work to do that I want to share some with others I got so much work to do as a preacher that I got a church full of people that I want to send out there and do some of that stuff to go visit the sick and the shut-ins and the people in the nursing home and the people in the community and, and to minister to them and to give to them of your overflow. Richard, I ain't got any overflow. You better turn on the tap. If you don't have any overflow, say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to equip you to do whatever he asks you to do. Richard, what does that mean? That means if he tells you that he wants you to be a preacher or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher or an evangelist or whatever it is, whatever he tells you he wants you to do, he's going to begin to work out the steps in your life to get you where he wants you to be. 
It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You might get saved in an instant. But discipleship and sanctification will take your entire lifetime. And if you will report for duty, you won't have any lack in the resources that you need to accomplish his call on your life. He has always given me every single thing I needed to do what he's asked me to do. I can tell you story after story after story of God providing for me, for my wife, for my children, what we need to be able to go where he asked us to go and do what he asked us to do. Every single time. Seemingly out of nowhere. Really, it was our Father. All right, that's the first verse down. Verse 8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Daniel 7, verse 13 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Who's that? Jesus. And came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. What's happening in America right now is tragic. We are watching the deterioration of our country. Before our eyes, it's, it's as if we can't do anything about it. We know that they are forsaking God to the highest levels all the way to the local level. And as a result of that, we will suffer the punishment of God, the wrath of God. Every nation that has ever done that throughout history has suffered loss because they have rejected the giver of life. What happens if you reject the one that gives life? You're choosing death. Death is simply the absence of life. And we're getting to watch that play out. And, and there are people that, that want to invest and, and want to, to do things and grow these kingdoms and, and own property and land and all the things that they could do. And I read an article yesterday that said uh, from pastor to owner of a million, a hundred million dollars of real estate portfolio. And they were talking about how they had gone from poverty as a pastor to riches. And one of the comments under there was, you're going to try to squeeze that camel through the eye of a needle, aren't you? The kingdom of God will never fail. But all of the kingdoms of mankind will bow before him and be crushed under the weight of his holiness and righteousness and justice. Have you ever seen justice perverted? I mean to the level that it causes somebody to get killed. 
How about this? How about justice perverted to the point that it kills a baby? I was talking on the phone with a lady this week and she was in government work. Retired from it. Served for years. She said the last straw was when everybody around me, we were all begging for this child not to be sent to this home. She said it was the last straw. We all knew what was going to happen and within two weeks that baby was gone. Justice had been perverted. It failed that child. That's the world we live in. That's the kingdom that's going to fall. It's going to collapse. But of Jesus' kingdom there will be no end. There will be no end to His justice, His righteousness, His favor. So in your life, be careful what favor you court. Do you court the favor of the world or do you court the favor of Christ? Do you long to please Him? Or do you want political power? From these people who have so corrupted themselves with the things of this world that they can't give justice to a child. There was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and this and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Verse 9. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Revelation chapter 12, verse 5. Revelation chapter 12, verse 5 says, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Once again, who is this? Say it a little bit louder so everybody can hear it. Jesus. A little bit louder. Jesus. Come on. Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus. Call up to heaven. Does that sound like the gospel to you? We just talked about that. Who's going to rule with a rod of iron? Jesus is. What does that mean for everybody that sets themselves up against Christ? That rod of iron will come down upon them and dash them into pieces. You ever had a bully? Somebody fought against you, and you couldn't do anything about it, so you called somebody that was a little bit bigger, a little bit meaner, a little bit tougher, and you said, hey, could you help me out? I said, sure, I'll stand in for you. Might have been your parents. I don't know who it was. The principal. Maybe just called upon the Lord. Lord, help me. This is too much for me. Came home after school one day and this guy had been picking on me. About 16 years old. Started talking to Amanda Leanne about it. My godless sister. I was a heathen. I say that in the sense that I wasn't serving the Lord. I, I might have got saved when I was 8 years old, but I did a, a lot of ungodly things between 8 and 16. 
I wasn't seeking the Lord every day. I wasn't doing what was right. But I came to my sister and I was just, I was crying. She was crying with me about this person that was picking on me, bullying me. Once my sister heard all of that, we went from being enemies to being friends. I don't know if you had that with your siblings, but uh, we were enemies because I was so mean. I didn't call upon my sister to go beat the guy up or nothing. I mean, I wasn't trying to. I wanted her to petition the Lord on my behalf to pray with me. I wanted her to offer me some comfort and some support. She did. Not long after that, she gave me the book Experiencing God, day by day devotional. She wrote something on the card there and kind of challenged me a little bit, said that uh, she'd given one to my brother and he didn't do it. And I said, well, I will. I started reading that and going through it every day that summer after they had so persecuted me in the hallways of school with football. By the time school got back in session, football season started. It's my senior year. I felt like I didn't have very many friends in the whole wide world. As I went through that devotional book day by day and I was writing down exactly how I was feeling and what I was thinking, God began to draw my heart closer to Because of that bully, I started seeking after the Lord. My sister helped me. I started saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm yours. Billy Graham, not Billy Graham, Adrian Rogers came to town, preached a thing at the arena. And that bully I've been praying for walked down the aisle and gave his life to Christ. Years later, we're standing in the bank together, and he, he started laughing with me about me quitting football. He said, buddy, I just quit one year after you. I said, what do you mean? And he said, I went out to Northeast, and those boys were big. He said, reckon he got run over once or twice. You know, thank you, Lord. <laughs> he, he said, I just quit one year after you. They were too big for me. God take care of it. Let him do what needs to be done. And he can make even your enemies to be at peace with you. When a man's ways are right with God, he makes even his enemies to be at peace. Let me say that again. If you've got enmity between you and somebody else, make your ways right with God. If you're having trouble with somebody against you, don't say, God, strike them down, destroy them, kill them. God, send them a bully to beat them up. Don't do all that. Just focus on your relationship with God and He will make your enemies to be at peace with you. That's what I have today. I have peace. have peace, something needs to be fixed. When there's a disturbance in your life and you can't get peace, if you don't know what it is, you seek out a godly person 
that you know. That's what I did. I went to my sister. You seek out somebody godly. If you need to talk to me as your pastor, come on. But if you've got a godly person in your life that you trust, that you can go to with this information, you go to them and say, I don't have peace. Will you pray with me? You can be restored. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Verse 10. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. First, I'm going to look out for that. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 14. 12 through 14. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings. All right. I've been quoting that verse a lot when I was growing up. Thank you, Mother. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. When we go to do this block party today and we invite our community over here, I want you to do all things without murmuring and disputing. Now, I don't mind a little um, banter and playful stuff when you're playing games, you know. Oh, you ain't good for nothing, you know, whatever. I don't care about all that. I'm talking about don't start any fights or arguments for the neighbors to come watch us fight. If you don't agree with something or don't like something or that preacher picked out a song that you despise, I mean, I, whatever it is, I... These burgers don't taste just right. Or do all things without murmuring and disputing. Don't start a fight over it. I don't like that they did this. I don't like that we did that. This is new. We ain't never done this before, preacher. You're right. We haven't. We're liable to make some mistakes, praise the Lord. If you're going to make omelets, you might as well break eggs. We ain't never gone over there and invited folks over. What if only two of them show up, preacher? Well, there's enough of us here that we can eat them burgers and dogs and take them home if we have to. If we just feed us, we've done something. We can load them up into to-go boxes and take them out to the neighborhood and say, I'm sorry you missed the block party we threw for you. Here's the food. <laughs> Don't be rude about it. <laughs> hey, if they feed it to the dogs, at least their dogs will love Jesus. I mean, just pray over Ask God to bless it. Go on. We're just trying to do something to honor the Lord. And what has happened so far today? Piano player couldn't be here. Song leader couldn't be here. Batteries ran out on my microphone. My wife said she woke up late. I went and bought the groceries for the thing tonight because she had scheduled it to pick up. And when I called her, I said, would you like me to help you out with that? She said, absolutely. I just woke up. One thing after the next, after the next, after the next, Hey, spiritual warfare, it's going to happen. Between now and tonight, you may get somebody call you and say, I need you to come over, help me do such and such and so and so. And if God tells you to go, go. If he don't, say, I'm sorry, i got something going on. Say, ain't nothing but a party. It's so much more. Because if it was nothing, the devil would leave us alone. He hates it when you try to do something and reach somebody and love on them the way that God's told us to. He hates it so much that every time we do one of these events, every time we do anything to reach out to this community, to show them the love of Christ, the devil shows up in force and saying, I ain't going to let you do it. He can't stop the Lord. 
can't stop you dead in your tracks. You try to do it without the Lord, and he will wipe you out. He will squash you like a bug. Don't you dare try to do anything without the Lord in your life. Don't think that you're so brave that you're going to go cast out demons without the Holy Spirit. Because the seven sons of Sceva, however you want to pronounce that name, they were run out of town naked. And I don't want to see any of y'all run out of Corinth without your clothes on. Show up today filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you can't do it, get in this altar and pray. God, please forgive me for what I've done. God, make me right with you. And help me, Lord, to be a minister of the gospel of the way. My job as your preacher is to prepare you to do the things that God has asked you to do. And if you can't do it, what are you doing here? He died for you to be able to do stuff like that. say, preacher, that's going to interfere with my afternoon nap. My whole week will be thrown off, preacher. You just don't know what you're asking me to do. Bless your heart. You know what that means in the South? It means you poor idiot. Why would you not give up some sleep to serve Jesus? Why would you not give up some time, some energy, some talent, some money, whatever it is? Why would you not give that up to offer that gift at the feet of your Savior and Lord who hung on the cross of Calvary for you? Serve the Lord with fear and trembling. Show up and do the work. And let Him produce the results. I can't save a soul. I didn't die on the cross of Calvary for anybody, but Jesus can save people if we lift up his name. All right. Verse 12. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Isaiah 30, 18 says, And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. I just wonder, do you want to be blessed by God? Is that what you want? He's a God of judgment. He judges righteously. If it was up to you and me to be good enough, we'd be, we'd be in hell. And he's already told you, follow the law of Moses, ain't going to get it. You've got to have the forgiveness of Christ. Preacher, why do you preach like that? Because I'm trying to get through all the social media and all the false teachers and all the feel-good mess that's out there. Preacher, it feels awfully heavy when you preach like that. Yeah, you ought to carry the weight of every soul in this room on your shoulders and see if you don't need God to help you. The 
Because sometimes when I get in this pulpit, I feel that weight. How many people are out there perishing? Paul said, if it was up to me, I'd give up my seat and I'd let somebody take my place. He said, I'd, I'd be cursed on their behalf so that they could be saved. He knew it wasn't possible. But he was willing to do whatever was necessary to reach his brothers and his sisters that were out there lost. So he tells us, he says, you know, serve the Lord. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We had a Sunday school lesson this morning about faith without works being dead. I don't want Calvary to be known as a dead church. If it's going to be alive, it's going to do some work. What that work looks like is everything that Jesus told us to do. And we're going to try to do it. Preacher, I don't like it. Take it up with him. I didn't make the rules. I'm just trying to enforce them. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd save somebody that's lost. Lord, you do the saving. I've been sowing and watering and doing some labor. I got friends and I got family that are lost, and I know it. They know it. God, I pray that you work in their lives to bring about salvation. there's probably somebody in this room that's struggling with some kind of sin. Help them, Lord. Give them the strength to get in this altar and confess it before you. When they do that, God, I pray that you give them the strength to overcome it. Lord, if there's somebody here that needs to become a member of Calvary, I pray that they would walk down this aisle and ask and make that happen. Whatever it is you want, Lord, we want to surrender to your will for our lives so that you may equip us for the good works that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, I pray.